is up, guys? Welcome back to the Running and Gunning Podcast. We are here in the hotel room. Uh, sorry for the haze in the background. We got a mini unit running. Uh, we're joined tonight with a couple guys. We're just going to have a good little BS session uh, here in the hotel room. We got Cody DeQuisto, Zach Robb, Kevin Boulder, and myself. Um, really looking forward to tonight. I think uh, this ought to be fun. We're going to have some fun with this one, do some uh, rapid-fire questions, and see where things go, and uh, enjoy this one. But with uh, without further ado, uh, Cody, how's it going, man? Uh, appreciate you having us here. Yeah, good. It's good. The shows are always always a blast and a grind in the same way. So appreciate you guys coming out to help. And yeah, yeah, man. Well, I mean, today was pretty hot. Uh, if tomorrow is as busy as today was, hopefully I'll have a voice. Um, but already feeling the pains from that. I know, uh, it was one of those days today, right? I mean, it was pretty slamming. Like, just jammed the whole day. Yeah. That Zach in the background. You know, big time talker here. Everybody knows the old stash watch. And, uh, by the end of this, you're all going to know Kevin Boulder, if you don't, because he's, uh, he's, he's a comedian in his own. So definitely going to get into some good stuff, but. I guess we'll kick this one off with a, uh, we had a few listener questions and we'll dive into some stuff, but uh, let's uh, talk about the biggest threats to the hunting industry. That's a loaded one. I would say to start off, I mean, the, the social media, like sizing up everybody and kind of knock people with their killing is an obvious one. Yeah. It's all about your personal growth and your own career in my mind. There's like a lot of guys that are, uh, you know, just willing to do like whatever they can to, to get into it. And whether it's breaking the, the law to shoot a big deer or, uh, you know, pushing the boundaries. I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on like what a trophy is and instead of just being happy with, you know, enjoying the outdoors. I don't know. There's a lot of inside industry stuff that pushes for products. And I think sometimes we just need to get back to the, Roots of hunting. That's kind of my perspective on a lot of things. Dude, I don't know. It seems like a lot, a lot lately now. You're almost shamed for wanting a big deer. Yeah. That's, that's, it's that's, definitely both sides. Yeah, like like it, it's a it's a rapid fire going on because it's like yeah, nobody wants to be shamed for shooting a small deer, but then everybody's want to shame people for holding out and like, oh well, essentially trophy hunting. Yeah. You know, and we're all in it for a trophy. Don't believe yourself. Right. No, I, mean, I mean, yeah, there, there may be a couple guys out there, meat hunters, but, I mean, if you if you possess a buck tag and you're, I mean, like, you're doing any, like, you're you're into hunting any amount to where you're going different places, or you're spending your extra time to hunt, and you're passing on, even if you're passing a spiker, like, you're the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. Nobody truly leaves to go to the woods to to put their tag on a spoon and crock pot deer. <laughs> they might whack one for fun or because it's the first thing that came out, but in their in their eyes when they wake up, they're looking for a giant. No doubt. To, to go along with what Zach said right away, you know, just the animosity towards hunters in general. You know, whether it's trophy hunting or whether it's what setup you're using. Yeah, I think just to go back to your original point, biggest thrust to the hunting community, like I see more animosity towards other people now than I ever did when I first started hunting. You know, when I was 12 years old, right. it was a whole different world back then. And now it's just, I mean, people really feel the need to peacock every single way they can. And, you know, bows and stands and deer on a saddle or whatever. It's just, right. we're, we're all on the same team, you know. We're all hunters. And I think people, a lot of people forget that. One thing to, like, joke with your buddies, be like, oh, you're a fag. You're a saddle hunter. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, whatever, man. At the end of the day, like, you know, when you're hanging with your buddies, you're going to be talking to There is a lot of that, you know. I don't know. I feel like there's, it's kind of cool. Like, there seems to be a big push for more traditional. And I think it's kind of cool because it's kind of bringing people back to, like, being happy with a, you know, like a decent beard, I guess. Because I think a lot of guys maybe are restarting. But, I mean, I know you switched over to traditional. Like, do you feel like it's more enjoyable or is it more challenging? Or I think both. 
to, to your point though, that's exactly what I think is is wrong with it too. Like uh, I personally got it multiple times, like, oh like why don't you shoot that one? Or you should shoot this one, or like, oh this would be a good deer for that. And it's not why I did it. Like I didn't do it to shoot smaller deer than I'm looking for, or to, you know, um, it's definitely more of a challenge, but like, I don't think it means you have to start over completely. Like, you're, yeah, you're starting over with a different weapon, but, right. you know. Um, well, I mean, for you personally, you know, when people go from a compound to trad, they're typically trying to narrow their range from 35 yards to 15, and you're already hunting deer within 10, 5 yards anyway. Yeah. Which, yeah, which, which has, is, that uh, was never your issue. No, no, and it still isn't. Yeah, like, you Getting close to him is not. I guess I looked at it for a while. Like I was never ready to get into. I always was fascinated by trad, but never made the leap. I don't, I don't know why. I just didn't do it. Wasn't ready to do it, right? Um, but I do believe, like it's. I never thought there was any skill. I'm, I'm, this is going to be a bold statement, but I never really thought there was any skill into shooting my bow. Yeah, not, none at all. I mean, in my mind, you know, if I really look at the basics of it, there's principles, there's principles of drawing a bow that I was privy to for a lot longer than other people or anything. And there's repetition, you know, muscle memory, but I firm, I actually believe without any muscle memory or repetition, you can teach somebody to shoot a bow in 10 minutes. Not, not even, right? right? And they will be fucking deadly inside of 20 yards. Mm-hmm. There's like it, as long as they can keep their composure, which that's a skill, but not shooting the bow. Right. Shooting the bow, there's there's in my in my my now. Let me preface this. I'm talking about shots 20 yards and under. I'm talking close quarter whitetail hunting, right? Right. I'm not talking making a, a Levi Morgan or a Cam Haynes 120 yard shot. Like that, that's obviously takes some skill. It takes a little bit more, but it's like that's like okay. If I give you a pistol, can you hit that wall? That wall is what. Fucking 18 feet by, yeah. Well, of course, yeah. Now, let me put you at 500 yards and we'll see if you can hit the wall. It's a different thing, but that's how I feel about about the compound bow, which it never was, which whatever. That no. was always a tool to kill, right? I'll agree with you. Because, I mean, I, I've talked to my buddies that try to hunt, and I'm like, dude, I, yeah, but I haven't not, picked up my bow. And... This isn't because, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like a guy that's like shooting a trad bow and now I'm talking shit on. This, is, this was always my take. That's why I never shot my bow, because I didn't need to. Right. And, and, you know, this I think that's something that's been known about me. Like, I don't shoot my bow, and I I don't – I've always had that stance. Now, what, so the challenge and what what really drove me was always, like, the hunt and getting close and creating opportunities and all that. And the bow was never a portion of it. And, you know, as I kind of, like, got better and more skillful in my, my tactics and, and enjoyed it more, and, and then it was becoming – regimen like where i got my things that i do that's where introducing this new style like this bow it all of a sudden opened up opened up an entire world of challenges that i didn't have to deal with before like it's not just something you can pick up and i mean in relatively speaking you can but it's there's actually skill in that portion like i set out in a season normally and i'm sure everybody's like this and if you're not you just need to do more confident and do more shooting, but I would go out. It wasn't, it was never a question in my head if I was going to miss the deer and not kill him if I got the opportunity. Right. Like it just, well, that, yeah, it's happened. I've messed up on deer with the compound at super close ranges, but you know, shit happens to everyone all the time. But that was never part, that was never a part of the challenge for, for me. It was like, just like any of you guys, I'm, I, I know if I told any of you guys, okay, 20 yards, you got a deer, like, do you think you'll miss it? Is there a chance you won't? Absolutely, absolutely not. Like, without a doubt, no. Like, um, that deer's dying if he comes in 20 yards, and that's how it was. So now it's like, okay, now there's a whole other world of challenges. Not only do you got to create that opportunity that typically you only get one, one per season at that giant, you know, depending on what caliber you're after, but... You're looking for big, big deer. The opportunities are few and far between. And then now it's not only just creating that opportunity. It's shit. I got to create the opportunity, and now there's a whole, whole different skill set involved. Now I have to make that shot and and perform, you know, 
good enough to do that. And it's just a, not even in the same same realm. realm I don't think. Yeah. Um, a lot more challenging. Yeah, my hats off to the guys. And not not saying that it's not challenging. It's super challenging to come with compounds. Yeah. The challenge is the hunt. I'm saying the challenge is not the shot. So if you're a guy who's a phenomenal hunter, or you kill deer every year and you're super consistent, and you're, there's not, you know, then you're not energetic. That is okay. Obviously, killing deer then has become not very challenging for you. So why not go and try tragic? Yeah, I'm not saying that was me. I'm just saying I, I I got to the point where it, it it's weird. It's crazy to think of now. There's two. That makes sense. It goes down to like constant like evolution. Like you're you're one of those guys like you enjoy growth, and it's like for you it became too easy, and you were like you know uh, I, I enjoy you enjoy the challenge. Yeah, I don't. Part of it. I don't want to say it's, it's not easy, and there's still like like there's plenty, like so many times you mess up and you don't get and nothing is guaranteed and and it's hard. Yeah, the people that say it's not hard like you know I mean there's so I don't want to make it that picture and say it was easy i'm just saying this is a whole nother world of challenge and and i think sometimes you just get to the point where you're like i'm ready for a challenge or or, or different or different something different you know Mm -hmm. and i think i've always thought this that there was nothing more like just mystical and like awesome than a guy who was a killer instinctive shot yeah like true instinctive like that is just care who you are that's impre- like deep down you know that's impressive yeah for sure like and i'm not even talking about hunting aside right so okay. it's just it's always fascinating to me and like that your mind just like you know like you put you pitch a baseball right like you, you know your mind adapts to this thing and gets used to it and you know it's like a martial art you train you get yeah. your body to respond right form yeah it's kind of the same thing yeah it's right. real cool that's sweet man we definitely went down a rabbit hole on that one but uh I think that was that was solid. Um, our next question we had was, if you're hunting small properties, this is actually from Christian. Uh, he put this up on here. If you're hunting small properties, what's the focus when it doesn't hold mature deer? Um, for me, find another property yeah, and yeah. keep scouting. I don't know. I kind of got faced with that challenge this year, and I just, you know, as time faded on, I tried to tried to like. Just think about where deer bed and anticipate hopefully catching one and just scouted and put cameras, moved them around to try and catch one. I mean, you know, it was a tough year for a lot of people. I mean, I, I think on average, almost all the people that I've talked to that are good killers, like, had kind of difficulty this year. I don't know. What do you guys think? Certainly had my own challenges with things going on in my personal life and all, but I mean, to the question, if it's not holding the caliber deer that you're after, then I think you have no choice but to move on or set different expectations. Um, so, I mean, if, if your goal is to shoot, say, a 140 and you have nothing bigger than 120s on that property, you can go back and check every now and then to make sure nothing else has moved in. But if you're set on that goal, then you need to find some other. Yeah, I, mean, I would 100% agree. If, if it's there, then hunt it. But if they're not, there's nothing special about making them show up. I mean, if it has a history of holding big deer, right. and you have some sort of prior knowledge of the property, and you have confidence in it, and there's not big deer there right now, sit on it, wait, maybe one will show up. But in the meantime, if there's not one there. You need to be you know there's else. not, And you know there's not one there. Yeah. Move on. Right now. I mean, honestly, like, at what point do you go completely move? Like, I had a, a struggle this year where, like, I couldn't find a deer over 130 on any of my properties, pretty much. And it's like, should I have went out of state? Should I have completely started hunting new public? I mean, for for you, Cody, I mean, if you're trying to kill, you know, your bars a little higher than mine, I mean, do you have you run into that where you're like, all right, well, there's nothing you know, on this side of the farm or this side of the well, farm. That's the thing, when you when you uh when you get to a point or when you start looking for, for the for bigger deer and you it's gonna be harder, right? You can have less chances and especially when the property's smaller, but 
you find yourself like when you make that call or you're you're holding off and you want to shoot a big deer, you find yourself in this position more times than you're not in this position because these deer you don't have them every year. You don't have access to these deer every year. So to that point, like I, I look at that and I hear what you guys are saying. Oh well, if it's not there, you got to leave. Well, that's like you know, it, it's if there's not a 180 on my property, doesn't mean I just leave. No, like that's what I want, and that's what I'm waiting for. But I don't just abandon just because there's not a 180 on there. Like because for one, it, it would all depend if I had a different lead. But it's it's that's where your situation comes into play too. I mean, sometimes you gotta wait it out, and you only get what you get. You gotta play the hand you're dealt. And I look at it as time invested, right? So how much time is it gonna take me to one find a new piece of ground, look at it? Now. The thing is, I can never be certain. You know, I, I don't. It's hard to write a place off, but then also it's hard to just sit there and hold it in one hand and shit in the other. You know, like, so I don't know if that makes sense, but depending on what you're at, like, if if you're after a pope young deer and you're, I mean, you're hunting a piece of property that has no deer on it whatsoever, like you know, it's real like desolate and there's like spikers and you just don't think there's any hope for a pope young at all. And you're in an area where, like, there's got a good deer population, and you could easily bob over to a farm that you have a better chance of that Pokemon, then you got to do that. But right. you have to weigh your odds. And, and when you start looking for bigger and bigger and bigger stuff, depending on what that is, you're going to go out of 10 seasons, you know, the more of those seasons just won't have those deer. Yeah. So you got to do more homework on, on the back end to try and make sure that doesn't happen. Um, or, or secure properties. With so you're saying just like expand that are bigger than your scouting area pretty much? Like look for more public or uh, like do you just go through and you periodically check off like this area, that area, this Man. area? Ultimately, I look at like efficiency outside of actually hunting too, right? So I look at what can, as soon as you start blowing up, you know, beyond your bubble, you're gonna, things are going to start to fall off, whether it takes you too long to hunt a place or you can't efficiently hunt it on this wind or that, whatever. I always go with the one that is a has the most odds. Okay. Like, like that's what I personally do. You know, the farther I get out, I know the harder it's going to be to get there. The less hits I'll be actually be able to get. I think it's important to look at everything. This is when everything looks about even, right? Obviously, if something looks better, yeah. And you think something's there, and you got a hunch, go hunt that. Well, but dude, it was a prime example. Like the buck I killed this year. Like, I, I never had that deer on camera, but I never gave up on that property. Yeah. And I just arranged my and cameras around, and he just showed up. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, yeah, you don't. I could have let it off. I mean, and I was ready to settle on, like, a mature buck that just didn't have that score. I was like, you know, I would have felt successful having harvested, like, a six- or seven-year-old deer, like, and I'd have been stoked. But yeah, I'm all, happy it went the way it did. Yeah. It's all about your options. Yeah. yeah, where are you at? Is it early in the season? Is it late in the season? Like, you know, I mean, yeah. could something come in? Do you, can you go down the road and get on the beach? Yeah, it's super situational. That'll take us into, like, another good one. Like, what do you do for prepping out of state? Like, if you're going to take that deep and you're like, you know what? All my shit's not working out here where I'm at. Like, I'm going to go, and I've been looking at a place a couple hours away that's, like, maybe in the next state over Let's let's go start there. Where, what are you packing up? I know you're going to bring your mobile setup. I mean, is there anything extra that you're kind of like concerned with? As far as standing sticks? Yeah. It's like standing sticks aside, I mean, I, I know oh, you're going to bring your mobile system. Okay. I mean, do you bring two maybe? No, actually, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I usually, I know, like, Zach, you got multiples. Kevin, you got multiples? Maybe? Yeah, but I don't necessarily, like, I do too. Use multiples. I don't drop one and leave it. Would you um, take two on a trip, though? If you were going I on did. Trip, I yeah. did. Just to have um, the option. Yeah. When I, on days that I knew that I was going to mostly just boots on the ground and covered, I think it was, like, eight or nine miles of scouting. I took the .5 with me, and if I found something, I was going to hang on. Uh, that's, that's why I brought that. I never did um, on days where I found what I was looking for, I, and I knew I'd be sitting a long time, I, I did take the little bit larger stand just for me personally being on the larger side. Yeah, like I, I usually go, go one that I go for, okay? 
would you like take more stuff since you're going to a new area than you would normally like running your farm at home? Like, are you gonna put more stuff, you know, in your waste pack or? Um, there's only a couple things that that change. I would think. Um, I have a small little bag. I wouldn't say bag. It's like a, a ziplock, half a ziplock, or a couple things. But yeah, like um, half a ziplock. Get into that. Yeah, half a ziplock bag. It just cuts the ziplock in half. <laughs> oh wait, what? does that sound weird? Half I'm just, yeah, I'm just messing with you. I'm um, like, what? What are you talking? About? I I just like store things. I like organize a, things. A gallon bag. Oh no, fucking no, not a gallon. Like a sandwich, like a ziplock. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, and you're talking a half of it. Yeah, yeah half in there. I'm saying, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'll, I'll like freeze it down and get the air out and I'll have like this little thing in, in a plastic that I can take out or take or put in my, slide in my uh, backpack straps like based on where I'm at. So a couple things like depending on the size of the property, like I usually don't run with a headlamp if I'm close or if I'm popping out at a, a, a you know, urban type farm or whatever or even that like I, I won't take a bunch of flashlights and and stuff like that. When I'm out in bigger wood situations, I always have a headlight with three batteries. So that goes into the box. You know, that's one thing. Um, I also carry one of those little powerable power charger things, like just in case, like I get stuck out there. Like an auxiliary battery pack. Yeah, the real tiny one, just a little little portable power bank. Like the little things like that, I would take that I don't typically take. Uh, game bag is in there, so like just in case, like I get rolling earlier, I can I can, you know, if I have to like. Kind of situation of packing stuff down. Okay. Um, so, like, just little things like that I would never need if I can just hike back to my truck. With you know, if the truck's within a couple, like, you know, a mile or something, it's like. Yeah, I never really asked you that. I mean, is there a lot of times like where you've had to like quarter out a deer and pack it out? Not a lot of times. Like, I've actually done it more times just, just mess, just to do it, like just yeah. to test the products. Is weed? I mean, yeah. Just, I mean, you know. I look at it as like you know prepping for a for a possible situation too, yeah. and sometimes like I you know I remember particularly one that I did I killed and it wasn't I mean it couldn't have been but a, maybe not even a mile like three quarters of a mile to get it back to the truck but like it was also some rough terrain I was like dude it, it, it's gonna freaking this is gonna kill me getting this thing out there and you know big mature Midwest deer I'm just like nah quarter out. And you know, and it's cool to put the products for the test too, and like yes. preach, preach some things like, well, it can be done, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but yeah. my time's coming on that. Uh, there's enough hell holes in the mountains; it's gonna happen eventually. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it. It's really the way to do it, man. Even if you're on public and you want to shoot a doe, like just quarter that thing out and leave a carcass. I mean, you don't, you really don't even need to field dress a deer when you do that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that though. See, I've never gotten to that. I always, I always dress with. I was telling you that I was yeah. able to pull the tenderloin out of the deer yeah. without field dressing it, and it was so clean. It was awesome. That's wild. Yeah, the, when yeah. you take the the one hind quarter off, it exposes it. Right. You can just reach in there, and then when you flip the deer over, you get the other one. And I didn't even need to dress my deer out. I mean, I wasn't there. That pissing song. You're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's when you know. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. Yeah, but I mean, and it's pretty simple. I mean, you're just taking a couple hind quarters out yeah. and back up saves quarters. your work later too. What's that? Saves your work later. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, we got another question on uh, break down like moving slow slash fast when you're looking for something. Like, is there a time when you're in the woods and you're like, all right, I feel like I'm in that area. Like, is it now? Like, what does that kind of look like? I guess if you get in a get in a zone and you're you feel like you're in a box like core area, like do you really start to slow down and evaluate like what you're looking at and break down like rubs and start to pinpoint maybe where he's bedded? Is there like a aha uh-huh moment or anything that you really run into or you're like shit I'm on it? You're saying that causes you to slow down or do you slow down? I guess. Yeah. Like, could, could you break that down? Maybe, like, if when let's say you're just scouting, right? And you know, we we've been there. You're scouting in an area, and you come across like a few good rubs in a thick area, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like, he might be really close to me. Like, 
if you're trying to cover ground and you're scouting and you hit that like wall right there and you're like, oh damn, I think I'm in the zone. Are you, what do you do? Are you gonna try to bump him or are you gonna try to like, shit, maybe I should set up around here instead of bumping him? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say because situational. Uh, yeah, but. It all depends how strongly I feel about it. Like, yeah, if I feel like I can find out a yeah, time of year, all that stuff it goes in the factor. But if I feel like I can effectively, like, I think you, I definitely slow down at certain times because, like, I, I'm just thinking you have to. Like, you can't find a spot you want. Like, if I get to a spot where I think I want to potentially, you know, ambush something there, then it has to be analyzed a little bit. It's got to be looked at. Yeah. Like, or I think slow down just a second and see, okay, what the hell's going on. I don't know about powering through that, but um, I think with you know, it even sounds like you're you're asking like, okay, like when do you know to stop or do you want to keep going deeper? Yeah, that's but, what I'm kind of getting at. Because yeah. like I've I've kind of ran into that situation myself a few times, like where you walk into an area, you you crest a ridge and you find a big rub and a few other good rubs, and let's say like it's a thicket area. It's like hardwoods and it's going into like some thick cedars. Are you gonna like slow down? Like, but and let's say the wind's in your favor as you're doing this, and you're you're just covering ground and you're scouting for sign, and like maybe you've got your bow and you're standing on your back. It like if you find something like that, are you gonna like slow walk and just still hunt your way in until you find like? Oh, you're this. talking about you're going to hunt? Yeah. Or just for, I mean, I guess it's yeah, totally different, different, man. Totally different. Totally yeah. different. Because, like, for me, when I'm scouting, I'm not. Let's well, do both. Well, okay. You don't even carry your bow, right? Well, yeah. it depends. No, yeah, no, no. If you're if scouting, I'm, where do you back out? If I'm going in, yeah, see, that's the thing. Now you change the dynamic. If I have a stand on my back, then I'm stopping. But if I don't, I'm there for info. I'm not there to kill. Okay. That's, that's, what, that's what I would say. I would still say I'm not just going to burn through it like. If you want to bump the deer up, you can't just burn through it. You still have to kind of think about it and go slow and yeah, kind of play it out tactically. Yeah, it's kind of a loaded question. I guess I tried to like put my own spin on it a little bit, but uh, no, yeah. Um, but all right, so I, I look so at it like this. Here's a here's a good here's the thing about. It. So you look at the two possible scenarios of what happens. In that situation, one of them you always find out, one of them you don't. Does that make sense? Am I saying that right? So, right. You, you're never, like, on one hand, you can push too far and bump them, but on the other hand, you can sit back and wait and never know anything. Right. And you can see you just out. So, so sometimes, or I don't think sometimes, I think, I mean, that's true. All That's true every 100% of the time. So, playing it safe, you know, I feel like. You only win 50% of the time to where when you when you push the envelope, I, I think you ultimately win more than that by what you're So you're saying you're learning. if you were just scouting, you would push. Yeah. And you would push it. And then you're like, all right, well, I know where he's at. And now I'm going to take that information. I just, if, if I see, see, if I'm like, if you give me the ink, like if in my mind, I think I know where he's at, then I got to fucking see if I'm, then I got to see if he's there. But if I don't, if I'm scouting too, and I even find a good spot, but I don't have like this really good idea, or if I'm like, and it all depends, man. It, honestly, that shit comes down very simple for me, even to how much time do I got. That's, That's what I was just gonna say. Like, what, like, you know, what time? What time? You know? Yeah. It's out of state. You know, for the working man guy too, which is our. I mean, we let's say you got a Thursday, Friday, you know, and I'm gonna hunt a couple days. Well, maybe a couple days I slide out after work and. Oh, I'll just nose in here and set up, see what's going on. Oh, nose it, that's nothing happened. I'll nose in here and see what's going on. But then, you know, the weekend, all right, I got the morning to hunt. So then after that morning sit, I can hunt the next morning all Saturday. So let's let's go really Push find it. out yeah. what's going on in here. And if I kick them yeah. up, then I can hunt them, you know, that next day yeah. if the wind's right or whatever. And kind of use that little time that you get, chunks of time, mm -hmm. to your advantage. That's awesome. I think that's a pretty solid answer to it. Kevin, you and I were talking uh, earlier today about, like, you kind of had, like, an aha moment um, where, like, trapping correlated into your whitetail hunting. Like, 
could you like break that down i guess like for some of us i mean like what was you kind of got into it as far as like the details of trapping kind of like clicked with you with like white tails yeah i think that was like super cool uh we like just weren't recording but I yeah a lot uh, of people I, would like that yeah absolutely um i'll try not to get in the weeds too far here, oh, you're but, good man uh, so i've always been a, a trapper my whole life i started when i was a little kid and bow hunted since i was a little kid as well and i graduated college with a wildlife degree and my first job out of college was i was a beaver trapper for usda wildlife services and i did that for a few years and did a lot of beaver complaints throughout that time and what i learned throughout that was that i developed a system you know for how i would go about taking care of these of beaver problems and you know, for usda we don't just go in and you know trap one or two beavers like we have to eliminate the problem and then move on to the next spot so it has to be done more tactfully than somebody that's just recreationally for a trap and you know my my process was you have to go in look at everything that they give you look at all the sign that you can and then set accordingly to each individual location every time you can't just go in and say well this is what i'm going to do every single spot for the next 10 spots you have to go in because every spot's different in its own little way yeah. and you do that enough times and what i started to realize and at, and at this same point you know i was also trying to advance in my whitetail hunting too you know and, and go after bigger gear kind of at that same point in my life and once i realized that oh this process of okay if i like i every once in a while say one out of six spots i run into a beaver that had obviously been trapped before a lot of times you catch them, they got a, a front foot missing or something like that, and they're real hard to kill. And it takes a little bit more sniffing around to kind of well, to, to catch them. And they're smart. They're a smart animal, especially when they start getting messed with. And, you know, once I started looking at how I caught these beaver that were real difficult to catch, I started realizing that, well, I mean, taking those tactics into big whitetails, it's the same exact thing. It's the same approach. What are they doing? What's this one doing in this spot? What do I have to work with? How can I kill them? You know, and set accordingly. Yeah. And it's the same same thing. And for me, everybody has their own their own path. And for me, you know, those two things really helped kind of take my game to a little bit higher level. Yeah. I think it's awesome, man. You're a mad beaver whisperer. <laughs> and they're they're amazing critters. They're smart. I know uh that's that's kind of like how your dad got did you ever do any of that stuff uh, i trapped a little bit i i never got into trapping because it was or it was always during the whitetail season and i didn't want to not hunt so on years where i would uh fill like any tags that i had i would run a small line or you know just just mess around i never did it, did it big that was back when like you could make some money like, yeah if you were just trapping on the side so um you hear a lot though a lot of a lot of trappers take that to the hunting gear yeah it's weird like yeah i never i never got in like i don't think i ever went trapping with my man like, that was something he did way 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 before me like as a as a kid and it got him like in the outdoors and got him like just jazzed on that type of stuff my mom's family was a hunting family not not my dad's so he would go up and trap, and they'd go up to like my mom's dad's cabin up, you know, kind of in Kevin's neck of the woods. And uh, he spent a lot of time up there, and then he got bit by the whitetail bug and, and bow hunting way early on. So by the time I came around, he he had not trapped for probably, you know, six, ten years maybe. I gotcha. Um, so I never got in trapping that way, but I was always just. Dude, I love anything woodsman, outdoor type stuff. Like yeah, it's, just, it's definitely fun. I think, yeah. you know, I almost, like, kind of feel bad sometimes. Um, just, I don't know why. Like, it's, like, feel bad about it. With, uh, I guess, like, just shooting boxes and, and like, different stuff. Because, like, I'm one of them guys, like, I don't really, like, kill stuff unless I'm going to eat it. And you always feel bad. But I feel like it really helps the turkey population that we have. And we have such an overpopulation of, like, boxes and stuff. And raccoons where we're at it's like i think i'm doing a good thing you know but at the time you just feel kind of like an asshole like yeah damn an animal that's looking at you like 
why am I in this trap? I don't know. Yeah, and I'm sure some as gory as it can get sometimes, it's good for the body. Right. Because seeing one rotten away from the stumper yeah. is sad too. Yeah. And Mother Nature will take horse if it needs to. Right. And that's where that kind of levels that out a little bit. And, you know, really we need, and, and it doesn't have to be trapping either, it can be any form of it, but all, all of that. that trapping's a lost art in general, but it's good for good for the people, good for predators, and like you said, um, turkeys as well, all that stuff. And, and there's less and less of them now than ever. Yeah, oh, it's no. definitely not a real popular thing anymore. I think the fur trade in general, like the cost of everything's kind of dropped terrible. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I looked up, I caught a nice gray fox, and I was like, oh, man, it'd be cool. I had no idea how much they were to get out or like just to even get tan. It's like 150 bucks. My pills were all 150, piece. That's crazy, man. Like for what? I don't know. And that's where I just feel bad. Because right. I don't want to just shoot something. It is what it is. I think it's it's balance. I mean, I really do it to catch coyotes, and I just can't catch a coyote. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Really, I'm just trying so hard to catch a coyote, and all I can catch is foxes. Anybody out there with some tips, hook me up. Hey, you had the skunk the other day, right? I did. I so did. You know that? Oh, dude, that was sweet vengeance. For those of you guys that don't know, uh, my dog got sprayed. I talked to Cody like. I'm watching him in the bath and he calls me and I, and I was like, dude, he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, man, I've had way better days. <laughs> like, a dog smells like shit right now. That's no good. Washing him in the bath, there's hair everywhere. Yeah. But uh, I got revenge on the skunk. At least I hope it was him. You never know. I mean, it is what it is. Life in the country, right? Always fun. This was kind of a, a cool one that I. Uh, wasn't really sure about. Um, it's like, uh, got it from Chad uh, Sigelski, and I'm sorry if I butchered your name, brother. I was a serious question. Oh, uh, entry and exit routes. Are you going to take the noisy unseen or the quiet but visible entry? Oh, oh. yeah. How good are you at hiding? Huh? I don't know, man. I, like I think that. if you scurry through the woods and sound like a deer, you know, maybe it's a little better. Yeah, I do think. Seen. I do think. Can you be seen but not seen? Hey, if you're wearing cool, you. Right. <laughs> I, I do feel like, you know, leaf crunching can be a natural sound. So I guess I would take the unseen and maybe more noisy, depending on what noisy it is. Yeah, you know, there are squirrels and sticks and all kinds of crap and breezes that make leaf noise. All, all the time. So if the sense in your favor, I mean, I definitely wouldn't want them to, you know, watch me come to my stand. Oh, so, yeah, obviously. You're not going to do any good doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, definitely avoid the, the, the visual thing. And I think you'd be surprised, especially on, depending on where you're hunting. I mean, even if it's open hardwoods, you'd be surprised at how close you get to something. Yeah. Even if you think you're loud. You know, you might sound like a freight train to yourself, but if there's any kind of underbrush or, you know, especially if you're in swamps, thick cattails, tag alder, um, even in hill country, if there's a lot of thick, honeysuckle, dense stuff, that noise isn't traveling through that at ground level. If you're up in a tree, it's loud. You know, you can hear it, but at ground level, you can get a lot closer to those deer than you think. And, you know, if you don't sound like a human, right, you can get a lot, you can get away with a lot more than just move slow and learn just how to not sound like a human being. Yeah. That's, you know, man. That was my perspective on that, too. It's just, it don't sound like a human. Yeah. The dead silent cold frosty morning makes you cringe. Oh, oh yeah. Always. Yeah. But they're making noise, too. Right. You know, everything, everything out there is. You got to remember that. And as, as painstaking as it is, you got to get in there, right? Cody, you just levitate, right? Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just bust out the hoverboard and cruise into the bay. If there's any kind of snow on the ground, you can snowboard down in from the top. Yeah, now we're talking. That's stealth. Now we're talking. Boogie down to the bottom, boys. Yeah. yeah. You got a different. Hey, don't be afraid of the noise, though. It's no, not as bad as you think. I agree. I think we cringe at it more than it's. Yeah. Dude, if I had a nickel, it's like all night. For all the 
people who are paranoid about the inside of of their their jacket because they think it's loud, or like down because they th- like when it hits your scruff on your your beard or something. Like that. Dude, no, you can't wear that. You can't wear that. Dude, it just sounds loud because you're right there. Your eardrums right, and you're you're so like it's not as loud as you think. Yeah, yeah. That's. Did you, did you ask that buck you shot last year how, how loud your down jacket was? Oh, no. I didn't have a chance. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah I, I didn't get to him in time. He was gone when I got there, man. I love him, right? Yeah. Yeah, the visual, though, I mean, I, I've, I've walked to plenty of stands and been, been watched. Yeah. And I do think that how do you know that? I've, I've watched them. Okay. I've watched them and watch me. And you'll just cruise right by? It depends on where they see you. They yeah, see like, you right away, and you, they yes. think you're just Joe Blow Hunter walking here's, down. Yeah, here's the you thing. can move back around. Now. This is like, you know where they're at, too. Like, like, talking. Well, it's, yeah, it's one thing to be like, to have the buck you're trying to kill literally watch you send a tree. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a totally different story. Like, like these deer... You gotta realize they're they're sitting they're bedded up. They they watch coyotes run ridges all day, and they don't they don't bust up every time they see the coyote. Right. They know the coyote is in the timber. Like all them deer know at all times that there's coyotes somewhere, or there's there's potential danger all over. Right. That's why they're just cagey when they walk through. So, the like this year. So this is probably late season. I have the footage on my phone. It was just cool. Nothing spectacular, but it was cool to see. I had like 130, 130, 140 class deer come in, and he bedded right on this little like like cup in a, a rock bluff. Um, and he was bedded there for about an hour, and I was hunting, and I was just about ready to get down, and I seen two coyotes were were running this ridge. One was at the top, and one was stepped down in the third, and they're running the whole thing. And they'll take it, and then they'll they'll disappear down the bluffs, and then 30 minutes later, you'll see them come back the other side. And I've seen them go down the other ridge, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to run right into this deer in, like, 30 minutes when they come back around, because they always do. And that buck, that buck held right in there so still and let those coyotes pass him. By like, you know, they, they were, I'd say, 15 yards from him, not even. And they just, even, that coyote even stopped and, you know, did just kind of looking around. Probably could smell him, right? What's that? No, he had a perfect wind. Like, like oh, the wind was jetting right up. And these coyotes were right below him. He was right above those coyotes and watched them the whole time. Not once did he even get alerted, you know, until they, like, stop. you know, when the one stopped. For one second, he just, like, he, you know, he pinned his ears forward and looked. And then he put him right back and, like, like but never was skittish at all. And then put his head down right after the left. Like, so, had they pressed him or had, like, he, but like Kevin mentioned, like, he watched those coyotes and from the ridge down, knew, see him. Seen their, their game, seen what they were doing, didn't think he was in danger at any point in time, so, so he didn't move, right, obviously, or I think so, and, and they, they passed on, you know, yeah. so that happens with you, like, just because you got to walk across the open field to go get to your stand, and you're like, ah, oh, these deer are going to see me, don't mean shit a lot of times. Um, stay where they're at. No, yeah, because a lot of times you can get by them without bumping them. Now, yeah. if, you, if you're trying to go hunt in where they're at, well, then you're screwed. Then yeah. you're, they're going to see you, then you're, and you're going to bump them. So you're not really going to probably see much then. But, but, I, but I do think noise, like people. So you'd rather make noise, or would you rather take the, the, take the lightly traveled route? Do you take the quiet route no. and be seen? No. No. Well, you take the noisy route. I take both of them, I guess. I'm just, I'm just saying, like it's not, it's all so many noisy and scene. Well, I don't think I have a quiet route that exists. See, I'm just all like, are noisy. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, hardwoods, I agree. If they can't see you and they can't smell you and they can just hear you and you're just walking by, I think you got absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, walking like 2020. The reason the does jumped, I I crested a ridge top and they were just on the other side, and I think. I did startle them, but they didn't have a clue what it was. So they kind of trotted off, and the buck was right there with them. He trotted off and came right back as soon as I was upset. So, I mean, he didn't have, they didn't know what it was. They just heard something crunching and kind of alerted a little bit. Yeah. Everything was in my favor, so 
they had no reason to, to bug out for good. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had them actually get more sketched at hearing something and not knowing what it was. But that's me, like, messing around in close distance, not, like, just walking by. But I think that matters, too. Um, yeah. But you're never, here's the thing, like, when you're talking about close quarters, you know, you, you might sketch them out by making noise, but you will never just be able to walk up and set up on them and then walk. <laughs> And then, and then get up and, and walk by you to shoot, you know. So yeah. that's that's a pretty damn hard point right there. Yeah. At the, like, oh, yeah. I think a lot of times I worry too much about making noise. And I think now, like, I'm more, when I go to, like, on an area, I'm like, I just need to make it to here without, like, bumping deer, whatever the situation might call for. And I don't know. I've seen your crazy ass act like jumping from rocks if you're a squirrel <laughs> chewing on nuts. Big squirrel. Here's an example too before we use this plane. Yeah. I know there's not a lot of swamps up here, but um, I'm from northern Wisconsin and we have a lot of them. And to exactly what this, this question was, when I first started hunting swamps and chasing deer around in them, I would frequently climb up in the, the trees where you can get a nice vantage point of the entire swamp. Okay. The, the maybe quieter i don't have to walk as deep but i can get higher and, and see further and frequently i believe that i was being watched by a lot of the big deer that i was after in there yeah and the most success i've had is taking a more noisy route and getting in some gnarly little tree that nobody's ever had, hunted out of ever before mm-hmm. you know less as high as you can to shoot you know just get get where you need to right. um but stay lower and if you don't get above those cattails or tag alders or whatever, those deer don't see you. And as long as and, you know, as long as you're not seeing it, your wind's right, and they hear you a little bit, they don't know what the hell that is. And enough time passes, and they get up and you know, they'll come through like nothing. I, I would way rather in that situation make a little more noise, get into some gnarlier stuff, than get into something where I can see further but more can see me. Yeah. Have you ever felt like you're like? being too mobile, like you're moving around your setup too much instead of like maybe hanging out in a good area. Like hopping properties or hopping around I guess in general property. like like hopping around the same property. Like do you ever feel like maybe like you know we always talk about like you want to be in there and like the first sit is magic. It's like do you ever feel like maybe you're hopping around too much and maybe you should sit like that area, like on a funnel area or something, maybe, especially like during yeah. the rut. I, I can agree with that for sure. This yeah. year I had a, a good example of that. Um, I was I had a camera on a primary scrape on a piece of public and had some good ones on that. It was after a bigger one, and that deer was showing up late at night, and I thought he was coming from a long distance away. So I was kind of hopping around, you know, maybe he's coming from this ridge, maybe he's coming from over here, and three, four moves later, I was kind of out of places to look. So I circled back to, you know, the scrape where I had Bruce showing up at night mm-hmm. and I actually caught him on a morning sit coming through there. And I figured out what he was doing based off of the sighting and turned out he was right under my nose the whole time. Yeah. So in that situation, you know, I should have given that a little bit more of a chance and, and looked in the fine print a little bit more because he was, he knew the deal and he knew exactly what was going on and was totally, yeah. he, he knew what I was up to as well. And, and that taught me a lesson. So for sure, like there was a prime example of this year it, and it cost me a couple of days. Had I got on that a few days earlier, might've had a, a crack, but it just ended up being a little too late. Yeah. Have you ever felt like that, man? I mean, like you were maybe too mobile and you should have just come so or, um, uh, yeah, sometimes, but normally, normally not because I, I'm not afraid to to sit in a spot multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I, I, dude, I am the I'm, I'm probably one of the biggest advocates for mobile hunting, but I'm also like, dude, do what what you need to do, and if I need to sit in a spot four times, I'll sit. In there. That, yeah, that's when you find the spot within the spot, like. That's where you need to be. And you're yeah, I don't move just to move. No. Put it that way. The yeah, only reason to believe you're in the right spot, you can stay there. Yeah, I only move if I need to. Like, you know, the whole concept is you're, you're preaching to, for people to move because 
very seldom do people move. Right. That's why you're telling them, hey, change up your style. But to a guy who move, already moves, it's like. And when you find that spot, dude, I actually was there. Uh, I, I never killed this buck, but he taught me a lot. Uh, I went in, I hunted this really, like, it was like kind of flat land with a lot of thickets and like uh, cedar trees and stuff. And it's one giant buck, man. He came to, I called him the pimp buck. I'll never forget him. Because this dude comes in. And I knew that there was a big one in there from the sign I was seeing. And he came in, bedded up within like 40 yards of my stand, bedded up to a big old, uh, like just a gnarly thicket full of stickers. And all these does bedded in like a half a circle around him and looked. And I was like, dude, how can I kill this deer? He's bedding down. He's literally like laying his head down on the ground. Just every once in a while, I lift it up. And I'm like, I tried to skirt my... I was in a climber at the time. I tried to like skirt it down the tree and I couldn't get on him. Like the doe kind of looked at me and I was like, all right, just stay put. Maybe he'll move. I hunted that spot and that deer did literally the same thing for like three, no, two days in a row. Okay. And the second day I, uh, I, I just kind of like spooked, I spooked him on the way out and I never saw him again. It's wild. But it was to me like I just if only I took the if I would have had a hang one I could have hunted it differently. But since I was in a climber, I was forced to hunt that one oak that was in that thicket. And dude, this deer did the same thing exactly to a tee the next day. And all the does it was it was not rubs late season, and all them does did the same thing. He bedded in that same bed, and they did that to you. And I'm like, dude, like you're such an idiot. Like, <laughs> why didn't you move? And that's really, it taught me a lot at a young, like it was yeah. the beginning of my, my hunting career. Kind of, it's like sometimes if you find that spot, I think it's it's good to keep your time in there. But man, if you see something happen and, it, and you weren't able to get a shot, like try to adjust because if you're in that later time frame, like the deer is liable to do the same thing again. I mean, if you had that happen, I mean, with some mature deer, like they've done the same thing routinely a few times. All the time. Oh yeah. 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 Deer are very routine. Right. Like in general. I believe it's not that. The older they get. Yeah. The he, more they locked in the Dude, he was a giant. No, there's exceptions. Yeah. And to it's back to your point. You know, that happens once, you learn. Right. If it happens twice, then you're dead. <laughs> yeah. I felt it. I felt it. It's learning. That's that's just part of hunting. He was super cool and I was like talking about such a dumbass and I knew I, I felt like I should have and I'm like no maybe today he'll he'll work this trail and come down this way and it was just like oh yeah believe what your eyes tell you right I uh this year I kind of screwed myself a little bit first sit up in the mountain I had a hell of a nice buck kind of far off I just caught the tail end of his man being coming through the, the pines and going away um ended up coming out of the tree and scouting that mid-morning um and found a hell of a nice Hot scrape, set a camera on it, and it ended up being a hell of a nice buck. It was a, more of a community scrape. I got multiple bucks in there, but uh, this buck kept hitting it once a week, and it was it was the buck that I had seen. And I, for some reason, capitalized on that scrape more than the visual that I actually saw of that deer. And just looking back, it's like, I'm such an idiot. I just stayed where I was and moved in a little closer to where he was working. I think I would have had a chance in the... You know, it was really early season, so the next weekend I probably could have had a chance at that year doing what he was doing rather than trying to set up on that scrape. Yeah. I don't know. That's just hunting, dude. It's part of it. You're yeah. not going to kill him every time. I was pretty excited about that scrape. <laughs> Do you feel like you learn more um, from your failures than your successes? I do. I do too. Yeah. I, think, I think it depends on how you look at your successes. You know, if you... Um, Truly look at it for what it is and analyze it and try to look. Yeah, you will. Yeah, and if you get caught up in your own success a little too much, sometimes you don't. That happens to all of us. Um, but for sure, I mean, failures um, or mistakes out there are hard lessons, you know, because you put a lot of work in. Sometimes you don't put a lot of time in when it doesn't go right. It yeah. stinks. Right. I've learned from both, though. Right. Oh, yeah. Right yeah. Yep. I mean, the successes build on your confidence, but I think the failures kind of like 
sting more and they make you learn. I guess for me, it's but I don't know. In the beginning, I feel like I had so many failures and I was like, man, I just like didn't quit and I just kept throwing shit against the wall and it stuck. And I was like, oh, well, this is how you get it done. Like, just don't quit. And eventually, like, you know, stuff kind of yeah. works out. And it's, it's how bad you want it. Right. You know, the guys that make the same mistakes over and over again are, aren't as concerned right. about their success. You step in it, are you going to do it again? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's it's totally not like we can't make the same mistake twice, but like, how often is it? And um, I wanted to ask one more question I really had, like, for you. It's like, you know, as many uh, top killers as you know, like big buck killers, what's, like, one thing that you think a lot of top-notch killers have that's, like, a characteristic that you can you can pinpoint? Um, like, somebody that... One of, some of the guys that are like consistently killing, yeah, yeah. like one sixties and one seventy. No. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I'm mm-hmm. just, just thinking of uh, you said like a, a trait, like a personality trait, yeah. like a quality. Yeah. I mean, I really with our podcast, I really want to try to get into more like the mental side of things and like, what do you think's like something that a lot of a lot of us like maybe share, or, or some of us totally different than the other. I mean. Um, uh, I would, I mean, while you're thinking the addiction and commitment and persistence, that you're day in and day out putting pieces together. Persistence is definitely a thing because you know, a persistent guy is going to put forth more effort, a lot more, and, and stick to it more for so just by. Like number shot, I think they're gonna kill more. But um, I also think there's two types of people. I think there's there's different people that just have a natural gift and ability to 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 read the, the wilderness, and, and other people it's harder for. They can both be awesome killers. They can both be super successful, but one has to work a little harder and maybe be a little bit more persistent versus you know the other. But um, as far as like a, as far as like an individual trait, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, but anybody that I've witnessed, uh, uh, find success, it ultimately does come, I mean, from how much time you put into it. I mean, it's very hard. To get lucky quickly over and over and over and over, you know. It's just, but you know, it's kind of strange to me how like we have so many guys that haven't been hunting that long that are killing giants, killing killing good deer. At, I guess I, I don't think it's crazy because I think nowadays there's way more information. There's way more. Yeah. And like it's and there's better tools, you know. And I mean, dude, hunting now is is even ten years ago way different. It is. Look at the bows that are 10 years old. Dude, bows, yeah. the cameras, a, the, the, like literally everything. It's YouTube. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. For one, the information, information and the equipment and just what it's become and where it's going is like, man, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it'll be. Uh, I mean, when do you think it was like for you that kind of like. Was it just, I guess, time in the woods where it became like a thing where you were able to kill like your upper enchilant deer? Was it like the area you were hunting? And... Um, I mean, I definitely, I will say this, hundred percent. Like, this is this is a painful thing that people don't want to hear, but like I did, like you got to put yourself where the big deer if you want the big deer. Mm-hmm. You can't just sit and pray and like for a giant deer when you're in an area with. So for one, you, you have to, you have to go, you have to at least go there, go where they're at, you know, right. travel um, to Illinois. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, these places. You want to get for me, prime example, man, like, a 130 was a great year where I used to live, and I moved to Kentucky, and I upped my bar to, like, 
you know, the 160s. And I, I want to kill bigger deer than that, but it's like, I just, I just enjoy like talking to somebody like you. It's like, man, like, where did you really kind of hit that moment where you were like, hey, like, you know, all right, I just need to be where they're at. I mean, um, is, that, is it that simple? No, uh, or I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I was, Mine didn't, but there wasn't an aha moment. There, there's a difference in just putting time in the woods and putting time towards a specific goal. And, yeah. You know, like, you yeah. know, just go sit, I think is what you were talking about. You can't just wait for something to happen. Yeah, see, and I don't think I ever had an aha moment, but I've always been the type of person that's just, like, very, very, like, uh, stubborn and, like, want, like, when I put my mind to something or want to do something, then I just like really just hammer at it, like, no matter what it is. Whether it's a, uh, if I'm making a cabinet, or are you, are you more like a soldier and kind of guy. Yeah, I guess you'd say that. Like, yeah. um, but so it's like I, you know, I yeah, I give myself something to do, or I, I get into a task or into something. I put the blinders on. So I don't think there was really a uh, moment. It's just that it's like that's that's. Uh, something that I possess that I think helps me hunt. It helps me stay out there and 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 not just hunt but wanna learn and wanna like figure the puzzle out. So I do think it's a puzzle. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a, a match, right? So it's not so you can't remember talking about earlier. Yeah, it's not just putting the pieces of it come together for you slowly through time. Yeah, because even being persistent in hunting, but but it, it's like I say all the time, like gear has gotten so crazy. And I say this, but I do. I think if people spent even a quarter of the time in the woods, like applying themselves, trying to learn what's going on, as they do sitting, tinkering with gear, mm-hmm. and caring about, like caring so much about what their shit weighs or whatever. I mean, we make light shit yeah. for guys like that and for everybody, but there comes a point in time where you get yourself a light setup and don't fuck with your setup anymore. Go hunt. For example, we're in Pennsylvania, and we know, we, we talked about this at dinner tonight, like, we know that there's a lot of straight trees around here, and a lot of people tell us, like, well, I have to be 20-plus feet up in the air. I mean, like, Kevin and I are sort of like, well, yeah, but that is also adding weight, and if your goal is to, like, have a light setup, like, how light are you going to be once you get this stand with four sticks and your backpack and this and that, you're, you're kind of back to where you're at, it's... Like, I think the point of it with, like, our system is, like, it's better to hunt low. You know, I, I think that's kind of efficiency towards towards your goals. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's definitely it's definitely interesting. Like, I think, like, you know, you can, try, some people, you can lead a fish to, or you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink. You know, it's like, well, here's what I would do, but, yeah, you know. And as long as you brought up fishing, I gotta, I gotta take this. <laughs> if you have any musky fishermen that listen to this podcast, this one's for you. Anybody can go out, flailing bucktails around randomly at weed beds and catch a Right. If you want to do it consistently, or you've never caught one before, and you really want to catch one, and you just go out flailing on random weed beds, it's going to take a while. It's going to take some time to get lucky. But if you really want to catch one, you have to study the habits of where they live, you know, what the best spot is for them check which ones are holding fish, which ones aren't, start putting a pattern together, and fish accordingly. And yeah. A lot of that, that stuff translates. Um, but I think to what you were saying before, you know, a lot of guys that really, really want it, it's something that they focus on, and it's a goal, and it's a priority in their life. And, you know, it's, it's something that they put a lot of time towards. That's the word. They know how to prioritize. Yeah. You know, I mean, that... Because it is something that takes time, and whether it's out of season time or in season time, like prioritizing your time and making it a priority. There's a lot of people. You know, everybody likes to say like, "Oh, yeah, well, if I can run every day, or if I can do this." I mean, everybody says it. Must be nuts. Yeah, and I, you know, yeah. uh, the bottom line is, is you really want to hunt every day, then find a way to fucking do it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look at you, yeah. right? I've transferred my life. So, to try but prior, but but to that point, if you only have the weekends, then prioritize the shit out of those weekends, and right. then, and and then maybe you got prioritized time 
out of the season to make your chances in the season better. So, like, you know, it's kind of season scouting. We all only have 24 24 hours in a day, right? Right. So, and some people do a shit ton more with that 24 hours than others. Because they prioritize better. Let's say a lot of the people that I know that are successful, they've narrowed their passions down in life to one or two. You asked me earlier, are you fishing? Are you into fishing? Yeah, I like fishing, but I think I'm, I like hunting more. But if it's the summertime, then, you know, like whatever, man, I'm going to be enjoying fishing too. But when it gets into season, I'm like, I don't know, I'm like tunnel vision, dude. I want to kill a deer. Well, guys, I'm going to wrap it up, man. I really appreciate you all doing this with me. Uh, it was a blast. I think uh, we got into some good stuff and burned through some good topics. Good questions. Yeah, that was sweet. Appreciate you having us on. Yeah, man. Uh, for those of you guys still listening, uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, we're going to air this out on uh, Sunday. This is uh, Saturday evening. Come see us at the show. We got some great specials. Um, come meet us, you know. And, uh, we hope uh, hope you all enjoyed this one and, and give us some feedback. And we'll appreciate you all tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.